You are now listening to the Minority Trailblazer podcast. Let the story begin. One time for the lovers, two times for the ladies, three times for the brothers, four times for the babies. Do you love her? 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 One time for the lovers, two times for the ladies, three times for the brothers, four times for the babies. Do you love her? 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 Brown skin, love a brown skin, love a brown. Brown skin, love a brown skin, love a brown. She my brown skin, love a brown skin, love a brown. She my brown skin, love a brown skin. Hold me down. Welcome to the Minority Trailblazer Podcast, and I'm your host Greg Eel, the Culture Change Agent. On this show, we interview young, successful minorities in a variety of fields to educate, empower, and inspire our current and future generation of leaders. And today, I got a show personally, Minority Trailblazer Nation. This is going to be an epic podcast one of the best i've ever recorded i'm really excited man they're gonna drop a lot of jewels we're gonna get in get out i know y'all typically get the hour hour and a half boy but we're gonna hit this thing in 45 minutes y'all with me i need to hear some virtual claps i need to hear some virtual claps i received that all right and evan jackson to the minority trailblazer podcast man welcome to the show thanks for having us man hey man y'all need to be more excited than that bro i need i need i need to say yeah bro uh-uh y'all need i need to, i need to get that turn up energy bro don't give me that don't give me that, man. Um, first, of, <laughs> first and foremost, I'm excited to have y'all on the show today, man. Um, I know Gabby, you're your, your, your PR person. Shout out to Gabby, man. She's she's a beast. Shout out to what she do uh, for her and the people, man. Um, so she reached out and I was like, yo, okay, I need to get this. This sounds exciting. I started doing more research. I said, oh, yeah, I got to get these brothers on this thing. So I'm really excited, man. I know I gave a snippet of the bio, but before we get into it, I always have the show I always had the guests rather um, start the show off with a quote and how they apply that quote to their everyday life and kind of give a story about it. So uh, y'all take it away. A quote or a mantra, mantra too. So I know sometimes like, yo, I don't really, I'm not really on the quote boy, but I got a mantra. So I leave that out for my guests as well. I would say one quote that I like to live my life by is hard work beats talent when talent fails to work hard. Um, And I know we hear that all the time, but I think it's something that's really applied to my life. Um, where I've never felt like I was the most talented, the person, you know, who was number one, but I've always worked my way up um, to be what I needed to be and, and do what I needed to do, you know, countless late nights, early mornings, trying to get where I need to go and always in the back of my mind. If I just work harder, I'll beat, I'll beat those who are more talented. Um, and so that's my quote. Gotcha. 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 What about you, man? Yeah. Uh, for me, it's everything happens for a reason. So even when little things trip you up, small failures, you just got to keep it pushing. Keep going uh, because you just know if you keep focused, uh, keep on that straight and narrow path, you'll get to your get to your end goal. Oh, say less, man. So I like to always uh, start the show off finding the pulse because I've been on shows when I first started. It's be 100 episodes in, a million downloads plus. Thank you, Lord. But I, when I first started, I would come with some crazy energy. And then I realized like maybe the guest father passed or maybe something happened. So I always try to find the pulse of the show before I go. So it kind of layer where we need to go. So this question is in regards to that. If you think about last week, right? Um, good or bad, what is one moment that you got from last week that you learned something from, good or bad, and share what you learned from it? Last week was was big for us because we we landed a, a big contract, one of our pilot partners. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
Um, and we just learned that. How, I mean, how big are we talking? Can you, you discuss? You don't got to get detailed, but I, what, what is big? What's the scope of that? Can I say that it's, it's, it's enough, it's enough patience to, to get us to the next level where we need to be. Okay. Um, big, big thing we learned from that is just, if we put a lot of attention, high touch into the customer service aspect, things will go our way. Um, when we're actually trying to convert into sales, um, and we really focused on making it patient centered. Um, so looking at the individual level, who can we really help? And that's what really put us over the edge to, to get that contract signed. Yeah, I think that's, that's so key. And I'm glad you learned at an early age, man, because, you know, we live in a culture. We want more clients. We want more this, more that. It's like, yo, if you ultra focus on serving that one client, serve them a phenomenal customer experience, like phenomenal. Like you applying the emails, you jump on calls. They like, yo, these boys eat. Because the thing is, like I said, it goes to the hard work and talent piece, right? There's a lot of talented individuals. But they don't reply to emails fast. Uh, they, you can't get them on the phone. Um, you don't know when they're, they're not reliable. So would you want them or somebody that, hey, I might not be as talented, but I work so hard that I get to the talent level. Like, I'm going to find a way. And I think that's critical right now because, I mean, we're going to get to your age and kind of your experience level. But I think y'all y'all keep that approach, that one-to-one. I mean, I know people that are multimillionaires off one client. Like, I know there's probably billionaires that got their first billion off one deal. You feel me? Like, there's no need to get 18 and 20. Specifically, you don't got the capacity to do that, but I can go all day with that, man. I'm excited. So, let's do this. Let's do this. Um, Before we jump in, I also want to do, I, I typically, and I started doing this this season. It's worked really well because um, I want to build the context, and I call it, like, hype talk. I change it every day. I said brag talk, but hype talk where... Um, our guests can share some of the biggest accomplishments, right? Because I, I like to, especially for black people that we live in a society where we've been pushed down as far as don't be that confident. Or uh, it's like, and they don't tell you that, but it's subtle stuff, right? Even your friends, like, oh man, he cocky, he's arrogant, bro. Like, bro, I'm just being me, bro. Like, <laughs> can I can I operate on an elite level and be phenomenal? Like, what's wrong with that? You feel me? So let's. Uh, this is your opportunity, man. I know y'all are very very young. But just share with our audience, man, some of your greatest accomplishments thus far so they can kind of get the context as we walk through the journey on what it really means. Yeah, you're talking about accomplishments in terms of in general or in terms of the company? It could be business. Let's start, let's start life in general so y'all can reflect, but then let's go to the company as well. Um, For me, I would say my biggest accomplishment in terms of life so far has been being elected to be the junior grand vice for Mark of Kappa Alpha Psi. I know you're a, you're a Greek as well. Yeah. Uh, Unfortunately, on the raw side of the raw side of the I got my A5A hoodie in the jump, bro. Like, this the, we going to go hey, there, hey, man. Whatever, whatever you say, man. Whatever you say. Nah, but but that, was, that was really exciting for me, being being in that position to be. Um, it was such a high honor. My my, my father's a new. Um, been looking forward to this for a long time. And to be able to be in that position as the undergraduate president, man, that was very humbling and, and probably my biggest accomplishment up to this point outside of outside of work. Okay. Okay. What about yourself, man? For me, uh, definitely throughout getting into Brown and then becoming class president at Brown for three consecutive years before leaving school to, to run this venture. That was definitely big, knowing that um, all these talented, um, bright students looked at me to be their leader um, and to, to be that agent um, that's going and uh, advocating for them to administration, faculty, and everything. Mm. And then let's talk about from an um, Interscare. It's called Interscare, correct? Make sure I yeah. said it. I make sure I put some respect on the name. Um, what has been your biggest accomplishments thus far? The first one I'd say would be uh, raising our, our our seed fund 
so that having a, an actual venture capitalist, a, a VC fund, believe in us, um, that they think we can scale our, our business to get to the next level um, and really think that we could be something big. That was probably the, the biggest one, but there's also, I mean, you could talk about. Yeah, I think also some of our, our other accomplishments. I mean, I think the fundraiser was key and really um, pivotal for us to be able to continue to make the next steps. And how much um, our fundraise? How much did our fundraise again? Just because I like to give context for my audience. Yeah. Five hundred thousand dollars. Okay, cool, cool. That kind of gave us the gas to be able to burn and go. Um, but probably my favorite moment and, and most exciting accomplishment up to this point in our company has been winning uh, the Mass Challenge competition, which is a big accelerator up here on the East Coast. Man, that was crazy because we we applied initially not even thinking that we would get into the accelerator. And the way the accelerator works is it's like a, a, a several week um, training program. What was it, like 10 to 15 weeks yeah. of training? Um, and then you pitch against hundreds of other teams in a competition at the end for funding. Mm-hmm. And so the grand prize was $50,000 for first place. And we were in the competition. The majority of people were already graduated. We were really the youngest people in the competition as a whole. Um, and so then we get to pitching and we keep making it to the next round, the next round. I think uh-huh. there were four round until until it led up to the last night where there were eight of us left um the, the top eight and it was a huge banquet where every they were everyone would get announced on stage the winners um and so we hear every first name call there's three three people three teams are gonna win and so we hear the first names call and it's not us second name calls it's not us are like man not again because we had lost a couple um previously and then they call the last name they're like for the $50,000 grand prize gold award into care. And we started screaming, running across <laughs> the stage. We were running, jumping, excited, because it meant so much to us. And, and I feel like that was a big moment for us because it felt like, you know, this is something that we can do. You know, it, it was it was a whole lot of work. We had been working for about a year up to that point. But that was, the, that was the moment where I was like, okay, like we need to go all in because this is something that we can do and really make a difference in people's lives. Mm, man, that's 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 exciting stuff, man. It's like, especially it's not even the money thing. It's about the competition. You feel me? Like, yo, yeah. you you not. It's not because I mean, money. You can always get money. You get, nah, I'm not gonna say that. It's hard, but I mean, with the competition, you competing against other dogs. It's like it's not. You're not the only dog in the field. And I, and I use that dog mm-hmm. reference loosely for all my PC people. I'm not saying that, but you can. There's a lot of there's a lot of other companies. Um, and and, and it was it wasn't just people of color, right? It was open to everybody. And it's I did, yeah, man. Yeah, that man. That's phenomenal. That's phenomenal. That's phenomenal. So let's jump right in, man. So the first part of our series, and I'm gonna see me. I'm gonna put. I don't got my glasses on, so I gotta be like this. Um, <laughs> let's do it like this, man. Let's jump into your origin story, man. So can you share with the audience, man, a little bit about yourselves individually, like before Interest Care, a little bit before Brown, kind of your your makeup and your upbringing, so we can kind of paint the picture. Yeah. Um, so I grew up in Dallas, Texas. Dallas, uh, and of Texas. Course, being, being, yes, sir. Dallas, Texas. And of course, being from Dallas, football was always a big part of my life. Um, you know, everybody played football. Oh, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you, man. I can hear you. Oh, I think we have a disconnected. But yeah, but, but, but growing up in Dallas, um, football was always a huge part of my life. Played all the way up through high school. Um, wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. Thought maybe, you know, I would maybe want to go into business or law, but but I always knew I liked football. And so come to senior year, I started getting recruited, um, got a few offers, ended up uh, committing to, to one of my offers to Brown um, to come up here. And originally what I thought I wanted to do was go down the financial track um, and really do the finance thing, go do some Wall Street. I worked a summer at Bank of America, thought that would be for me. Um, 
until I got to my sophomore year. And actually, Robbie came to me with this idea in healthcare, which is something that I never thought I would want to do. And, and you can take it away from there, Rob. Yeah, I was always kind of interested in, in this healthcare piece a little bit. My mother was a, a social worker, a geriatric social worker. So I was used to going into to her, her patients' homes. And then she started running a, a healthcare facility when I got into high school. Got really interested in that. Ended up coming to Brown as well with Evan for football. And then around sophomore, junior year, I started going back to my mom's facility, seeing all the, the issues that, um, like, or, or small, like, inefficiencies that they'd have. Um, and I realized, oh, we could, we could solve this with technology and innovation. And it wasn't just her facility having some of these problems. Um, it was widespread across the, the long-term care market. So all these elderly patients, um, all their, their care delivery could be improved with just like small technological advances that have been seen in other industries. Um, so we came up with this idea, um, decided to just test it, just try to go for it, um, put a team together, entered some competitions, started building, and that's how we got to where we are now. Man, that's huge, man. Did y'all grow up with like two parents in your household? Did your parents go to college, like, or did y'all just pop out and went to Brown? Like, that's that's a big that's a big achievement. And uh, let me retract that. It's a, it's a great it's a great thing. Um, Brown just going to college in general. Thank you. Um, yeah, both of my parents went to school. My mom went to Howard. My dad went to Texas Tech. Um, they were both both in my life. Um, my dad ended up going to law school at Texas Southern, um, got his law degree out there, practiced law, and my mom ended up doing journalism. Okay. What about yourself, man? Yeah. Uh, both my parents went to East Carolina University. Um, yeah. My mother, obviously, was a, a social worker. My dad worked for the, the Justice Department for a while. Um, grew up with both of them, had great family support growing up. Uh, yeah. So I have to say I was pretty blessed in, in that aspect. Yeah, and I, I try to uh to paint that center. One to give context, but two, be and this is a challenge for all our, our audience because I know a, a lot of us did not grow up in a two parent household. Boy, we had the single or the grandmother's raised, etc. And I know I meet a lot of people all the time. They're phenomenal in their career, they're doing great stuff. And I just I, I think the challenge is for not y'all, but the, for for our listeners to continue to remember. Um, you can, you can prep your, your next generation of the future by you doing what you need to do and honoring women, honoring men, whatever, however you move, honoring that and being in your people's lives. So then you can set the, the, the ground mark for people like y'all at 21 doing phenomenal things. Y'all about to change the, y'all are changing the whole healthcare system at 21. But imagine if your parents didn't make those sacrifices and, and lock in and be in y'all lives, right? Imagine the, the impact that y'all gave. It may have been done by somebody else, but who knows? You feel me? So, I mean, I just, it's a challenge out there, not for y'all specifically, but for my viewers and listeners, and specifically those that got children, man, be, be there and be present there. Don't just, don't just support financially. Don't just be grinding and all this other stuff and give them the leftovers. I challenge you. I challenge you. I challenge you because these young brothers and what we're about to discuss, man, is doing phenomenal work. But it's, if you're not there and present, man, I, I'm telling you, it's not it's not going to be easy. And I mean, I just got off podcast with some phenomenal folk. Their parents weren't there and they succeeded. But imagine what it would look like if their intentionality was there, man. So I just challenge y'all to get there. But I'm going to get off that soapbox and go into this. So, all right. Now, what in the world, bro? You left. You a junior. You a senior in college. You got the sauce. You the president and whatnot. You looked apart and you leave school. Like what? I, I, what gave you the gall? to leave school like were your parents like what for real like what what happened how did that work bro 
Yeah, so it, it took some. It took. I, no, I, I definitely feel you on that. It took some convincing for my for my uh, parents in terms of they're like, you got to finish school, you got to finish school. But I, Brown's lenient in letting people take a little time off uh, to work on themselves or work on projects that they're interested in. Um, and sometimes you just really got to bet on yourself. And this is one of those times we we have a great idea. We have the funding. Uh, the market's there. There's people to be helped right now. Like every time we, we enter a new facility, get a new pilot, these are lives we're directly affecting. Um, so it was just, it's worth it right now. And we, we learned so much doing this. You learn things that you can't learn in a classroom. So when we do go back to school, we'll just be that much stronger. When we do start our careers, we'll just be that much stronger as well. And did you leave school as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. We're, we're both working leave. Um, my conversation with my with my mom was a little bit different. She was like, <laughs> as long as the Tesla's in the driveway in a year, then, then you got to do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nah, I like that energy, man. It's uh, I ain't gonna lie when I when I when y'all first reached out, so I was jealous because my story is similar. Like my junior year, I was the face of campus, did all this stuff, all this, and then seeing, yeah, I left, but I ain't had no funding though. Like my funding was, I was, I was in the entertainment and doing other stuff, and and I was like, dang, man, what would life be like if I really would have? This is two thousand eleven. Really would have been hit to pitching and stuff like that. I could talk with the best of them. I could tell a story. That's what I do. I was like, dang, bro. But I'm glad I went about it this way. But I'm like, I was like, yo, these dudes, that's what's up, man. Because I mean, and also too, shout out to, and I and I think there's baked in stuff why universities have their policy because I'm North Carolina ain't T ain't no on leave, bro. You just leave, like you you gone. It's a dropout, like <laughs> you feel me. So that's cool that you preference it. We're on leave, like nah, it don't work like that at certain HBCUs. To be real, man. Um, and it's and there's systemic things in, what, in regards to that, but we're not gonna go there. It's not that type of podcast. So. Let's jump right into Interscare, man. Can y'all break down to our audience? What exactly is Interscare? And I know you kind of mentioned it earlier, but how did you even find this space? Because it's, it's for elderly healthcare. And I'm like, yo, y'all dudes 2021, like for real. So um, I know you kind of, but clearly walk us to one, what Interscare is, how it was started, and then um, how did y'all meet? So you can start with like what we do and I'll go to this. So, yeah. so what Interscare does is we, we take patient health data from their electronic health record for long-term care providers and health plans. And we let these providers know who their highest risk patients are for hospitalization, why they're at risk, and what they can do to prevent these hospitalizations by informing a resource allocation. That sounds pretty jargony, but basically we're, we're uh, letting you know who you should be treating uh, to stop some sort of preventable cause. And for, for a little bit of context, we when, when Robbie says long-term care organizations, he's referring to elderly care organizations. So that can be nursing homes, um, adult daycare, skilled nursing facility, assisted living. Really what we're able to do is tell you who your at-risk patients are so you can provide preventative care services rather than letting your patients get to a point where they need hospital care. Yeah, the, the most jarring kind of statistic is that around, I think it's 38 or 40 percent of all hospitalizations within long-term care. So, so these are elderly patients are actually preventable. Wow. Uh, so that's the problem we're actually solving. Like, hold up. I know and y- y'all going to get to why y'all met, but how, what, so what do you mean by the preventable? Is just people just don't know the data or it just get lost in the system. Somebody didn't send an email. Like, what do you mean by that? So it, it's, it's for a host of different reasons, but uh, typically for elderly patients, you have, you'll have four or five different co- chronic conditions that are all, um, all interacting in, in different ways. And if you mismanage one of these conditions, it'll cause a preventable hospitalization 
uh, in the area of one of these other conditions. So like a lot of the things are like hypertension, chronic kidney disease, uh, congestive heart failure, uh, just so many different things that are very common within geriatric patients. Um, and it's just important for man- care managers, care providers to manage all these conditions. But it's hard, hard for them to do because they're not, they can't look at thousands of different patient data points at one time. And that's what we do using machine learning. And, and I'll, I'll give you an example. One of the ones that I think is, is really jarring is, is in regards to chronic kidney disease. So there are four stages of chronic kidney disease. And once you get up to stage three and four, it gets really, really expensive to treat. You need dialysis and things of that nature. But the majority of patients don't realize or aren't diagnosed for chronic kidney disease until they're at stage three or four. But with our software, we can actually detect early because of a host of different factors. When a patient may need to be tested for CKD or chronic kidney disease so you can stop the disease early and prolong the effects. Oh, man, that's 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 over my head but i get it like that's that's real i mean in the raw scheme of things is there's some huge gaps in the elderly care system as we've seen with covid like i mean it's ridiculous people were dying for no good reason um and there's there's gaps and i'm glad that y'all had the foresight to say hey how can we fit in a lot of these gaps is you when you go there is preventable like you said like you're like hold up what 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 are y'all using like who's taking these notes how is it transferred and i I know there's probably a lot of stuff dealing with patient data there's a lot of legal stuff with that so i would imagine there's a lot of background but i'm glad that y'all y'all took on that initiative and it, it truly just started with um you robbie where you you said you were with your mother and you saw like how did you realize it was such a big gap yeah so the the gap Started off kind of small. I used to look over my, my mother's books when I get nosy. She'd have board of directors meetings. Um, it started kind of there, and then it moved on to we spent all of last semester, or maybe, yeah, it was last semester. We, we went around uh, the state of Michigan. We, we took just spent the time researching. We went to, I said, dozens and dozens of, of different long-term care facilities, spoke with the People, the caregivers spoke with the administrators, everyone there, um, just try to learn as much as we could about this problem. Uh, and we were just soaking up information and, and realizing the scope of how big of an issue this was. And it also informed how we could make this um, like our solution as streamlined and impactful for these people who are, who are uh, taking care of people every day. Mm, man, and, and to note there as well, one of the things that we realized as we went around is is there's some great healthcare um, software out there, but the majority of software isn't designed for caregivers themselves. They're designed for more higher level, um, potentially administrators. Very complicated software that give you good information, but it's just not easy to use to understand. So, what we went about making our software, we wanted to make it make the user interface and experience so that it could be used by anyone. So it's a very simplistic um, application that shows you directly who your pa- patients are, who are at risk and what you can do to, to, to uh, with preventative care measures to keep them out of the hospital. Mm, that's I, I love all that, man. So one, how did y'all meet? And then can you briefly touch on like, this is a team, it's four of y'all, right? So did they all, do y'all all drop out at once? Like, how did that work? And how do y'all, let's talk about y'all dynamics as a team, because I mean, shoot, I'm 30 and it's hard for me to lead uh, my team on a lot of different areas, man. 
So how do y'all how do y'all work on that dynamic being that y'all so young in your career? And I know y'all had leadership experience. I know you as as, as president, you as grand marshal, etc. But um, how do y'all work that out, man? Making decisions that are at a rapid pace, and y'all and just be real, y'all got to deliver results now. You're in the business world now, like you're, you're no longer a student, so y'all getting this money, y'all got to deliver the results. So uh, walk me through how y'all met, a little bit of the team dynamics, um, and things of that nature. Yeah, I'll give I'll give you the real story. Yeah, please so, do. So back in the day, so back in high school, um, I was doing my thing, whatever. Senior year, meet the most beautiful girl. Ended up, you know, you know, trying, trying, getting dubbed, getting dubbed um, until finally she let me take her out. Um, ended up becoming my girlfriend senior year. Spent a lot, a lot of time together. Um, and of course, like I said, I was from Dallas, um, but she had actually moved to Dallas from Michigan. And so when I committed to Brown for football, she was like, yo, there's this great dude. We grew up together. You got to meet him um, at school. And me being the cocky senior, getting ready to go play football, I was like, whatever. Like, <laughs> I don't need to meet nobody. He didn't meet me. I don't, I don't know. She was like, no, nah, listen, like, he's, a, he's a really great dude. You're going to be excited to meet him. And I was like, okay, whatever. First day I get up, I meet him. And his name is Robbie Felton. And, and so that's how we originally met. Um, and then from there, actually, since we were up at camp, he moved into my room. So we ended up rooming together, um, for, for, for football camp. And that's how we originally. Oh, met. you play football too? Yep. Robbie, you play football too? Yeah. Yeah. We both play football together. Then you didn't mention that, bro. Like, I didn't know y'all was former athletes as well. That's crazy. I didn't yeah. know that. Is that in the pre-peak press kit? I missed it. Um, <laughs> that's freaking, that's freaking dope. That gives, it gives me more context. That's crazy. Okay. 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 What positions y'all play real quick? Uh, running back. And what'd you play? And I played corner. A corner? How tall are you, Robbie? You look tall. Oh, no, this is just the high. <laughs> I'm on the high chair right now. Don't gas it. No, I'm 5'10". Five, five, oh, nah. bro, I, bro, I'm looking at the pictures, but I, said, I thought you was like 6'3 or something like that. Gabby cropped you in the right light. I was like, bro, you got you had that, exe- I mean, not to say you're not like going to get executive presence, but I thought you was like 6'3", 6'4", bro. I was like, hold up. <laughs> okay, cool, cool, cool. I'm in Alabama right now. <laughs> I said, shout, shout out to Gabby. I was like, my man, huge, bro. Okay, okay, cool. That's what's up, man. People say I look small on my picture. I'm six four, so um, that's what's up, man. So how did how did the other two guys individuals get incorporated into the business? And they, are they in school still? Talk about blue eyes. Yeah, yeah. So we, um, so Evan and I had started a, a project before because we were just interested in learning. We started learning about the environmental industry, and we ended entered in a business competition um, our freshman year. So this is way back. And that taught us, like, all the skills about how to, like, actually formulate, like, a business plan, make a pitch deck, um, pitch, all these other things. And we were in this business competition. We spent hours and hours with these two other random kids we had met. Mm-hmm. And we, we just get up there. We do a great job, but we lose. We get, like, just wash. We didn't even place top three, and they're only like seven, seventeen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And at that point, I was like, "This is probably isn't for me." Like, <laughs> we, didn't, we didn't, we didn't speak for like a month. We were like, yeah. <laughs> "So, so then we, I think about a, at least a year later, um, that same competition comes around, and I'm like, huh, maybe I should re-enter this um, with all these like new, new ideas I had with." with working with these like geriatric healthcare facilities. And um, I, 
first person I go to is Evan. Like, hey, hear me out. Hear me out. Like, like this is a this is a big problem that we can solve. And I was like, no, I don't. <laughs> I'm not trying to work. I was like big finance guy. I wasn't trying to work in geriatrics. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I don't. I don't care. But Robbie's very convincing. <laughs> yeah. Like this is issues that these are issues that our parents will face eventually. We'll face our grandparents are facing right now. So uh, it was. It was. It's important. It's timely. It's pertinent. Uh, so then Evan, uh, eventually agreed to, to work on it. Then we went through kind of a, almost a hiring process where we were just interviewing people, interviewing people. Uh, and we finally, but there, but there, yeah. but there was, there was, there was one guy I always had in the back of my mind, the smartest guy I know probably ever met. Um, his name is Sam Prado. Shout out Sam. Uh, and now, and then we went to Sam to join the team and he was all in and Sam was kind of a nice medium between us because he did um economics as well as public health so we understood the healthcare side as well oh, like perfect on my side so it was a, it was a great fit and now sam is still on our team um and does all of our clinical development and works with our clinical research team right and we found the fourth member of our team in a in an entrepreneurship class actually uh we sat down to pitch our idea um in this this course and then a couple people later he sits down and says the exact same thing and we were confused, but he said he had family that also worked in the space and they told him, Hey, you gotta, you gotta help fix this problem. Um, and he's our, he's our tech or our, our computer science whiz. Um, he's really smart, uh, builds all of our products, runs our, our development teams. And then to the next piece of your question, how do we work with managing the team? So we had around 12, maybe a couple more interns this summer. Uh, and we have it split up into a couple different teams where we have the clinical team that's ran by our, uh, by Sam. We have our uh, software development team that's ran by Alex. And then Evan runs our business development team. Um, and Evan can tell you a little bit more about how he's helped manage all these uh, people we've run. Yeah, I think that um, one of the things that was really great about us getting funding was also us getting our venture capital firm, um, Equal Opportunity Ventures. They've just been incredible. Um, and really helping us to understand some of the things that we didn't understand before. And it was really perfect timing because we secured funding from them at the beginning of May um, and our internship started in June. So they really helped us with the planning process, really um, dotting our I's, crossing our T's and making sure that we planned well um, so that we could run a successful internship. So even before going into the summer, um, we knew exactly what we wanted to accomplish. We've been able to stay on track and actually hit all of our goals and more um, through the summer. So, so it's been incredibly successful and really a great time. I, I, I've had such a good time working with everybody. The chemistry is great. And that's something that I don't even think we could have controlled for. I think we were really blessed to have the right team. So I'm very grateful. And what's your, what's your diversity split as far in, in regards to outside of y'all and your, your whole team? So I guess it's 12, 14. What was the diversity split in the internship? And what's what's the diversity in, in as far as what y'all do? Yeah. So in terms of diversity, our office is very diverse. Um, people of color, women, um, all people that we have within our office. Um, majority actually and then in terms of our in terms of our advisory we kind of kept that same um aspect where we have a diverse set of advising uh advising uh, uh roles uh, formal advisors as well um which is something we hope to continue and hope to increase mm. and, and the interesting there thing there too that i want to note is you know a lot of people have really a great dedication to making sure that they bring in diverse talent, do these things. Uh, to be frank, we really weren't even thinking about making sure that we had a diverse office. We really wanted to just make sure that we had the best players. 
Um, and I think that that's something that's forgotten and, and really the best team ended up being a very diverse team. And I think that's that's reflective of, of basically the job, the, the um, workers market as a whole. Yeah, I think there's another conversation with that, though, because um, you think of best, the terminology, it's not, it's not a conversation. It's just, yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot with that. But um, but yeah, nah, I get you. I get you. I get you. Can y'all speak to the power of diversity, though? Because I think that's one thing I, um, I admire that th- this this. And and to speak to it bluntly because I really feel a lot of corporations and a lot of they 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 talk diversity, but if you unlock diversity truly, like you said, at the core, and people just want to be great, like it is powerful because they have certain experiences that you don't have, certain mindsets you don't have. Like I mean, it is what it is. Like you, you might as well leverage them. You feel me? Not them, but you might as well leverage everybody. You feel me? Um, but I think sometimes even myself, I put myself in a bubble like. Be real, minority trailblazer. I really don't work with too many people that's not minorities. Like, I mean, let's just, just be real. Um, to say I'm gonna change that up, probably not in this for minority trailblazer stuff, but other assets. I think there's so much power in that. Can y'all speak to the power that stuff that y'all learned and things you've been able to cultivate and develop within your company that, from from that diversity and what y'all have? Right. So within our company, it's we're the to to be more specific with the actual population of people we serve. Um, in terms of the health plans and providers we work with, the majority of these people are on Medicaid and Medicare. So they're elderly and underserved populations. So a lot of them are people of color, uh, people of low socioeconomic status. So when we're, when we're building our product um, and, and deploying it, um, we have to be mindful of that. So that's why having diverse perspectives within our actual organization helps us um, kind of mitigate a lot of these inequities. Um, reduce these disparities. These are things we build into our product. So we don't want our product um, uh, underserving uh, people of color just because they're already disadvantaged in the health system um, or they're already being tested less. These are risks that we build in um, so that we can uh, like level the level the playing field for people even receiving care. And, and I think that having such a diverse workplace has shown me how how much my own background impacts the way that I think. So for example, sometimes I see things so completely one way and I'm like, this has to be the answer. This is the only way I see it. And then someone with a completely different background comes and sees it from a completely opposite way. They could be completely right. And that's something I just wouldn't have known without having such a diverse workplace of people coming from different backgrounds um, and different places that see the world differently than I do. Mm, I love that. So let's be this. Uh, so we got eight minutes, right? So we about to go and uh, we're going to go fast and furious, right? So uh, let's let's lock in because I got a couple things and I got a culture change around. So um, let's let's be and y'all don't have to say uh, speak on both of them, um, but we're gonna go right here. What's the most challenging part of the work y'all do? I think most challenging piece is getting over that barrier of us being uh, students and young. Uh, and having people take us seriously in the, the workplace and us selling, knowing that we're, we're all in on this, we're completely serious. I also think something that's really challenging is just in the, in the field that we're in and the nature of what we do, we're dealing with people's lives um, and people's grandparents, people's mothers. And so I think keeping that in mind and, and, and thinking about what we do is sometimes challenging and understanding that the impact of our product could mean you know, uh, life or death. And so that's, that's really important for us. Man, that's huge. And all right, so take it like this. How would it feel like when you realize, like, yo, we really, and even though it might be commonplace amongst your peers, but that's freaking, y'all 2021, 500 grand startup, that's huge, man. So what was it feel like? You got the email, like, hold up, what? We, 500? 500? 
Okay, what, what? Like, it's like, how how was that feeling? Like, real quick, what was that feeling like? You'll say, yeah, y'all got your first seed. Because, I mean, I envision it's going to be a lot more to come with that. For real, for real. I know it is. Because that's a huge, built multi-billion industry. It's crazy. But what was the first feeling that, yo, we really we really did this? Like, it's huge. For, for me, it started off like that feeling of excitement. And then I wouldn't say your heart drops, but it feels like you're jumping off the cliff. And you're just waiting for that parachute to pull. Because it's like, you're you're in. Like, like once you raise that venture capital money, like that's your life now. Like you gotta you gotta ride it out until um, it's over. And that it was that feeling. Like it was excitement, but also that that nervousness. Yeah, it it almost didn't even feel real. It, it was it was surreal. You know, it's like like really is this is this really you know what's happening? But then you know after a little bit of that, it's like okay, like what are we gonna do with this? How are we gonna you know? Because it's one thing to get money; it's another thing to make more. And so we, we never want to be those people who take it for granted. Um, we want to keep pushing it and do more and more. Yeah, man. So how does it work? Did they send it to uh, the business bank account? You look and it's like, hold up, five hundred grand's in there, or is it pieced <laughs> out? Like, what does that look like? Do you look at your bank account like, hold up, the business bank like five five hundred, five hundred, five hundred? Like, what does yeah. that look like? Yeah, just like that, pretty much. <laughs> so you calling my mom, so I'm like, mom, look at this screenshot. <laughs> bro, you like, bro, like, oh, that's just crazy, man. It's crazy. Like, and the thing is, it's crazy for some. This is a normal conversation. Like, oh, let's get VC capital. Like, oh, yeah, we're going to contact so and so, John, and John is going to, you got 1.5, and boom. And it's like, for me, I'm like, bro, like, I got, when I got my first um five figure contract i was like i was t- i was like for real bro this is t- what i mean shoot first four figure contract so i mean imagine 500 half a mil even though you got a team and we don't got time to really make in a cost because i know there's a huge cost perspective because people get stuff confused they say oh vc fund 500 grand well it ain't like you pocketing two 200 a piece and then the 100 go like no the stuff costs like the, I can imagine, and we don't got time to go into that, but I can imagine the cost perspective of building out a, a, a building out a system. How do you pay your people? What do you pay your people? And I guess that's what the, um, I guess that is the with the venture capital firm. They kind of help educate y'all and coach y'all on certain things like that, right? Yeah, everyone who who we employ makes more than us. Um, <laughs> so we raised five hundred racks, but we're still broke. <laughs> Isn't that a weird dynamic? Like, <laughs> man, don't say broke, bro. Don't say broke. Don't say broke. <laughs> Evan and I are still sharing ramen noodles for dinner. Oh, what? Hey, well, shoot, we shoot. I, I wish he was lying. I wish he was lying. Oh, that's crazy, man. I, I, dang, that's, I don't, I don't like, I don't like the sound of that. That don't, that don't sound exciting. But you, yeah, yeah, yeah. We get y'all get there. Y'all, y'all have y'all Teslas in the driveway soon enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Just don't. We should have have the the best work environment for our employees um but yeah if, if that means us like you gotta uh like bum it for the first uh year or so like we is it is what it is we just gotta do it but we're just trying to be successful all right bet so i'm gonna do we're gonna fast forward to the culture change round um five rapid fire questions i'll say each question one person answers and just back and forth um we're gonna get to it all right what is the best piece of advice that you have never received Best piece of advice that I've never received is is don't be afraid to fail. Um, I mean, people kind of talk about it, but but really directly, I don't think I really understood how important it was would be for us to fail um, and how much failures can turn into success. For example, when we lost that first competition, feeling so down, but 
that giving us the confidence and the perseverance to go forward. Times that we've lost and had to pivot our ideas, that's been the best thing for us. So I think our failure has really become our greatest success. Mm. If you could add, great, great answer. If you could add one habit and take away one habit, what would they be, Robbie? Uh, if I could add one habit, uh, definitely it would be, for me, even stricter organization because I'm realizing there's so much stuff going on. Uh, then like so much stuff going on, so much stuff to manage. And as you scale up, do more and more, it just gets harder to organize. And I envy people who are just every single thing, like pinpoint organization. And if I could, if I could take away one habit, um, it would definitely be the trade of just thinking you can grind everything out. Like sometimes you need to, you need to stop and ask for help, but like that kind of football mentality of, yeah, I just got to keep working, keep working. Let me get back. Let me get in the lab. Let me see what I can do. Let me see if I can fix this on my own. Uh, that's one thing I would take away. Like, so you got to stop and ask for help. And that's one thing I'm, I'm learning. All right, cool, cool. Um, and let's, let's, matter of fact, let's fast forward to the last question of the whole podcast, man. If you could change one thing about society, most specifically our African-American culture, what would it be and why? I wish, I wish that we had put more of an emphasis into making sure that everybody made it. Um, and then here's, here's why I say that one thing that I've especially been noticing in business and in, in other um, races and, and cultures that I've seen is really the emphasis on trying to make sure that everybody's good. Like you, you'll never really see, you know, you, you, you see, you see, you know, a bunch of especially white folks like bringing up their people, bringing up their boys, which is great. You know, everybody's coming up, everybody's coming up. But sometimes there are people, it feels like, you know, it, it's, it's like, um, it's like once you make it, you're good and you get your immediate people up. But no, like people don't bring enough of other people up and create that generational wealth across the board. And so that's something that we really want to do with our company and our funding, make sure that everybody's good, everybody's taken care of. And not only that people are making money, but that people are getting jobs. People are understanding how to how to make the next step. It's, you know, you, you teach a man to fish type of mentality. Mm. And then let's close out like this. Where can people find more information about about Insys Care, about the work you're doing? How can they how can they stay in contact and, and, and keep in touch about what the work y'all doing? Yeah, uh, of course, IntisCare.com. Uh, you can look at it, look us up on LinkedIn. Uh, you could add either of us on LinkedIn. Feel free to ask us any questions. Robbie at Intis.care, Evan at Intis.care. Those are the emails and any of the socials. Just reach out. Um, we're open to speaking with anyone, open to helping anyone. All right, say less, man. Say less, man. Hey, well, I appreciate you, boys. We, I almost hit, oh, on the dot, 10 o'clock. Boy, that boy, Jay, that boy good. All right, so I appreciate y'all, man. We could have went so much further deeper, man, but we got what we needed, man. Oh, y'all have a phenomenal day. Great, great, great stuff. And uh, y'all, y'all be easy. All right, bro? Thank you.